We've been looking at the Gospel of John in the Bible. And so if you have your Bible, you can open up to John. If you don't have a Bible, we actually give away free Bibles to those who need a Bible. And you can grab those right in the back. Uh, the hats aren't free. The t-shirts aren't free. The little mugs aren't free. But the Bibles are free. And we try to buy some decent Bibles. We also have some Bibles for like kids and families. And so if you want to grab one of those, we, we want to get people in God's Word as best as we can, okay? What we've been doing is we've been walking through the Gospel of John, looking at the Christmas story from John's perspective. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they talk about that kind of the classic things like the shepherds and the sheep and the Mary and the Joseph. That's cool. And we've taught on some of that stuff in the past. And that's, yep, cool. John's perspective is a little different. And what I like to say about John's perspective is it's concentrated. It's just bottled up and it's ready to get unleashed on anybody who wants to give a little bit of thought to it because it's a little more complicated. It's a little deeper. And I'd even go so far as to say it's the kind of underneath bottom layer stuff of the Christmas story. So you, when, you're, when you're looking at John, you don't even, when you're reading it, it doesn't even sound like the Christmas story. But it is. It's all about this Jesus guy coming. And for what purpose? And where did he come from? Who is this Jesus? And John, the guy who writes this, is giving us uh, the, the in-depth stuff. So if you're a thinker, if you're a thinker kind of person, you like to kind of think about things and process things, this has been, I hope, a good series for you because we're getting into the deep stuff here a little bit of what Christmas is really all about. It's more than just shepherds. It is shepherds and Mary. Yes, but it's deeper than that too. So let me read to you John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. We'll pray and then we're going to dig in a little bit, okay? In the beginning was the Word. So what the heck? Right off the bat, it's like, What? This is the Christmas story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now this next section here is going to be what I'm going to preach on today. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and yet the world, uh, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who were born of the will of God, right? And then verse 14 here is what I'm going to preach on, uh, on Friday. And the word became flesh... And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, 
This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And then next Sunday, I'm going to preach 16. For from him, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Can we pray? I want to pray for me. I also want to pray for you. And um, let's do that. Lord, I do pray for myself right now. And I, I pray that others are even praying for me. And I thank you that that's already taken place this morning. Because God, I need, I need your strength to do what needs done this morning. Not a sharing of good tips, not a sharing of niceties, not a sharing of whatever, but sharing truth at the deepest level and um, God, I've been working to put something together, but I do pray this morning that you would um, have the bit in my mouth and steer me where I need steered as I share what needs said this morning. And then I pray for all of us, Lord, my, myself too in, in this context, but each of us in the room, that our ears would be opened. And even deeper than that, that our hearts would be opened to hearing your word and may, may we hear, Lord, the things that we need to hear that would actually shape us and transform us and mold us. God, we look to you this morning, humbly bowing our hearts, wanting you to speak to us, amazed that in this moment, you are going to speak to us. Thank you for that. Give us expectant, an expectant joy of that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys. Um, so I have been part of, I have been part of, th uh, no, not three. I have been part of seven human being birth stories. One of which is mine. My own birth. When I was born, I was there, okay? The other six I witnessed a little bit more from a distance. Um, but I witnessed, I've been part of seven birthing narratives, right? You've maybe been part of some of your birthing narratives. I've been part of seven of them. No more, no less. What I can tell you, well, I got to be careful here because I'm talking obviously to some of you women who've gone through this. So I don't want to like claim that I know what's up because I don't. But from my perspective... From my perspective, a birth, a, a, a giving of birth is not what I would consider fun. Right? I wouldn't say giving birth is like fun or ex like exciting could maybe be a word, but not fun, not enjoyable, uh, not like, ex like exciting in a like, like in a very uh, freaky, bad, like scary kind of, I mean, it's, giving birth is a tough thing. Giving birth is a tough thing for both mom and baby. For both mom and baby, right? Uh, that baby, in a lot of ways, doesn't want to be birthed. That baby's warm and cozy, and it's, mm, just loves it in there. It's cozy. You know, you wonder what they're doing in there. What did we do in there? I don't know. But we were warm and cozy. We don't want to get birthed. And then mom, she's having a tough time with it. 
That's usually never a fun thing. Now, dads, we got it really tough. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Giving birth is never an easy thing, though, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, being birthed, being born again. What does that look like? And I want to, I want to highlight the similarities and even some connections between physically being born because it's not easy. And so if today's message comes across as easy or simple or yeah, 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 oh, oh, oh. let's remember the screaming. Let's remember the pain. Let's remember the agony and the hours and hours. Let's remember some of that because the reality is, is there's actually probably more similarities and connections to that side of things that we're going to talk about today than this nice little cute little baby that just gets out. No, it's so easy. No, no big deal, right? Um, today, what I want to kind of highlight is that it is a challenge, and it's a challenge for kind of two reasons. It's really only a two-point sermon today. I'm not doing a three-point. I'm doing a two-point. And really, my two things are this. One, we don't want to be born. We don't really want to be born. And two, we're not, we're not really that in control of it like we maybe think we are. So my first point is this. Now, I'm going to go deep fast. Uh, so if you're like newer to the faith or something like that, just hang with me here because I'm going to go pretty deep, pretty fast. Here's my first point. And you're going to be like, what? My first point is this. Well, first let me say this. Let me just read this text. Jesus, a couple chapters later in John, says this. In John chapter 3, verse, um, what am I looking at? Verse 4 well, yeah, verse 4, Nicodemus, who's a religious leader, says, how can a man be born when he's old? How can that happen? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus, just before that, says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, my first point is this. Original sin keeps us from knowing him. Original sin keeps us from knowing him. Now, what the heck is original sin? What are you even talking about? I'm going deep fast. Original sin is a doctrine that the church has been teaching for hundreds of years. It's a doctrine that came out especially um, Augustine of, of Hippo. He was the one that really started articulating this around the 4th and 5th century, okay? But this, this doctrine was coming out already as early as like the 3rd century, and what it's essentially about is the doctrine essentially says, it's a doctrine or a, a doctrine. Don't freak out about doctrine. Doctrine is just a teaching. It's a teaching of God's word that simply says something kind of like this. That we as people, as human beings, have inherited sin and the consequences of that sin. We've inherited sin it's like a virus that's infected humanity, not just Adam and Eve who first originally disobeyed God and, and um, maybe you could even say the first sin being a, a doubt of God's word. If you go read the text carefully, a doubt of God's word and then a wanting to trump God's word and kind of setting themselves up as God and then taking a bite of the fruit, even though God had said not to do that to Adam and Eve. 
And so this first sin that, that comes into the world, this first, de- what, is the, what is the definition of sin? That You could define it in different ways. One definition I really like is actually rebellion against God. Now that pushes fast and hard. And our culture hates something like that, but it's actually rebellion against God. And so as Adam and Eve bite into that fruit, sin comes into the world. They rebel against God and his word and what he said about it. But now the effects and consequences of that sin get passed down generationally to you and I so that even in our conception, we are sinners. That's what original sin is really attempting to highlight and stress. Now, that doesn't sound, here's the deal. There's two things you can kind of look at with original sin. One is there's a breakdown of, of humanity, and that's something we can latch on to pretty easily because we can see the breakdown even in our own bodies, don't we? We can feel and experience the effects of what sin have done to our world, our lives, But it's not just the consequences that come into us bodily, but we actually receive the consequence of, of, uh, let me make sure I get my exact word that I want to say, that we actually are responsible. That we're actually responsible for our sin. Now this, I'll be honest with you, I'll just say right off the bat, our culture is just repulsed by. Our culture would not agree with me on this at all. Not at all. That we are responsible for our sin. And that we actually have to face the consequences of our responsibility for sin that has been passed down to us in a generational connection kind of way. Now, I like to, you know, anytime I throw out a doctrinal thought like that, let's go to God's word for a second, which kind of takes us out of John for just a split second. But look at this. Look at this. First, first look at John. Well, first let's look at the text we just looked at. The true light... This is verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. How is this possible? How is it possible that the very people that God created couldn't know the creator? It's the doctrine of original sin. This is why I'm bringing it up. Now, let's go to Romans. Let me look at a couple texts from Romans. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I want you to see this so you don't think I'm making it up or that the early church was making this up. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Look at Romans, which Romans unpacks this brilliantly, by the way, uh, or the Apostle Paul does in Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Psalm 51, David says, Surely I was sinful at birth. Surely I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. These are a few texts as you look at scripture that would say something like sin is part of us as humans today, even from conception. So little Verity, our little baby, is a sinner. We would teach that. She's actually a sinner. Now that sounds odd, doesn't it? The proof, the only proof that I can give you that she's a sinner 
in connection, especially with God's word, not only to believe God's word, but also to, to kind of think about it, is the fact that babies die. Babies die. And the consequences of sin is death. There's, there's a connection between sin and death. And little Verity, she could die. We had a little baby die. And so sin is part of just being human at this point. So that's a, that's a serious problem. It's partly what it means to be human, but it's also partly to show, <laughs> especially since God created Adam and Eve perfect, it's important to note that what it might mean to be fully human is to actually not have sin. And so there is a sense in which we are yet to be fully human. See, we would actually teach something like this. We would teach something like the whole biblical narrative is moving towards us being fully human someday. This is beautiful, by the way. I love kind of the faces. Just stick with me. It's actually a movement towards full humanity. See, we sometimes have turned the Christian message into like when we die someday. When you die, then you become an angel. That's crap. When you die... You become floaty and just your soul and everything's just spirit. Well, hold on. Actually, there's a movement towards being made fully human. And, and the best picture of who we get of that is actually, guess who? Jesus. Who is, even now, fully God and fully man. And more fully man than you and I. Because he's without sin. Follow me here. Just stick with me for a second. Okay? I think, I think I'm tracking, okay? So why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because even, see, before, before um, sin came into the world, I love even looking at like theologians as the way they've talked about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve is like the most intellectual, uh, even, even uh, one theologian talks about like Adam being the strongest the strongest creature on the planet. And we can even, scientists tell us this stuff, right? That even now, we're only using like a little bit of our brains, right? Some more than others. But we're only using a little fraction of our brains right now. Our strength and what, we, what we're able to do strength-wise is super like diminished, right? And obviously we have all these reasons why, but we would look at it and be like, sin has come into the world. I'm a sinner, and because of that, there's things that have just diminished in me and my body begins to break down and I'm on a movement towards death. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Unless Christ returns, I always gotta throw that in there, but you're gonna die. We all are. If you're older, I'm not gonna put a, a, an age to it, but if you're older, you're feeling these effects already. You're cracking, you're waking up, you're snapping, you're popping. You're the old Rice Krispies box, y'all. Some of you are the old Rice Krispies box. Snap, crackle, pop. That's you. You thought it was the little guy. No, it's you they're talking about. We're snap, crackle, and popping because we're feeling and experiencing the effects of sin in our lives. 
We actually have an answer to that. That's, that's fascinating to me. And this is why, this is why I got to say this, John chapter 1, he was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. How is that possible? See, the world doesn't know him. It can't see him because of this thing called sin. It's actually broken us. It'd be like, a great picture in my mind of this, a great picture would be like, just imagine for a second, a world, an entire world that's blind. Everybody's blind, physically blind, can't see anything. And they've been blind for years and years and years. And that's all this human race knows is blindness. They're all blind. They're able to get around and do what they want to do. They're able to, to make stuff happen and still live life. But everybody's blind. They've never been able to see. There's maybe been some stories of something like that in the past, but they don't know what that means and what that looks like. Now imagine a world that's blind. All of us are blind. Imagine a person shows up on the scene and says something like, I can see. What would you do with that person? If your grandparents and you and your parents and your great-great-grandma, everybody's been blind. That's all you know is blindness. And then you had somebody show up and said, oh man, there's this thing called seeing. What would you do with that person? Some people might be intrigued by someone like that and maybe give a little bit of attention and would listen and maybe, tell me a little more. What are you talking about? Other people would be like, you're a fruitcake. What are you talking about? Well, this is all we know. This is who we are. And then maybe other people would throw that kind of person up on a cross and kill them, right? That's what you would do. See, this is what Jesus does. He comes on the scene and he says, I know you know what you know. But you can only go so far. And in fact, what needs to happen is you need to be born again. You need to be rebirthed. And it might not be the most fun experience, but it's got to happen. In order for you to see, in order for you to experience what being fully human really looks like, Jesus, a little bit later in John chapter 14, verse 17, he says this. Uh, 14, verse 17, he says, Even the Spirit of truth, who I'm going to send to you, the Father will send to you, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the first thing I'm simply saying is that we can't receive him because we can't even see him. This is the, the world. We're blind. We don't want to be born because we're blind and this is all we know and life is just fine. Leave me alone. Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, there's this thing called seeing and you need to be born again. The, the second part that we don't like about this particular birth narrative, which I always get a kick out of when any of my Jacqueline and my sisters or sister-in-laws get together, they like talking about the birthing stuff. That's so weird to me. 
Like, tell me your birth story. I can tell you some stuff. The second part is that we're not able to control much of this birthing story. And it's yet another part of the, this story that our culture hates. Here's my point. Jesus came, notice the, the, the subject of the sentence. Jesus came so that we might become children of God. Look at John chapter 1 here, verse 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but who were born of God. This statement here he gave the right to become children of God. You can actually look at this first intro chapters 1 through uh, verses 1 through 18 as a kind of chiastic structure and this is like the central thought of this intro to John's gospel, this idea of being a child of God. This is what everything else is for, for the purpose of that you and I could be God, God's children, that we could actually be kids, family of the eternal almighty God. But that's got to, I mean, just imagine that. What if God was here today, which he is, but I'm just, what if God was standing right here and I were to say something like, guys, we are his, this guy right here, we're his children. We're a part of his family. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if he was standing right here and we're like, yeah, I'm a kid of his. I'm a child of his. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if that was? And we might start to be like, how is that possible? How can that happen? Well, it's rebirth takes place. Okay, how does that happen? What does rebirthing look like? Jesus says, of water and the Spirit, this is the way he talks to Nicodemus. Of water and the Spirit, this is what it's going to look like. This is God's will for humanity. If you were to ask, like, what is, you know, people will ask oftentimes, what is God's will? We actually know what God's will is on a lot of things. One of his wills is that people might be his children and go into this rebirthing process. And you might say, oh, how does it happen? This is how it happens. You hear. You hear right now. Right now. You hear what God has done for you. That God actually sent, let me even just back up a second more, a couple thousand years, created you, he created the world. He then creates us a couple of years ago. But he, he sends Jesus, his only son, to go to the cross for you. To, to go onto a cross to give up his spirit, to give up his life so that you can have life. So that you can actually, you know, blood and water flows from his side, which is connected right to John 3. When Jesus said, unless we're born of the spirit and of water, 
the Spirit of God coming as, no, this is going to get weird here, and I didn't know if I was going to do it, but I'm just sensing I'm going to do it. As a seed, there's that sperm word. Let's just stick with seed. As the seed that penetrates our hearts, guys, making us alive, not of our will, but of the will of the Spirit of God. Not of a husband and wife's will that come together to have birth, conceive, and have birth. No, of the will of God sending his Spirit to regenerate our hearts. Make us a new creation, Paul would say, to be born again. You can hear that now. Faith comes from hearing the word. And so as you hear that word of what God has done for you, that he actually died for you, he's risen from the dead for you as a first fruits of what's to come, which is we will follow in that first fruitsness, and one day he will return. Hear that. And as you hear that, the Holy Spirit, when and where he wills, which is also in John chapter 3, he can do whatever he wants to do. But as you hear that, the Spirit does his work on your heart and in our lives. And when he gives that gift of faith into us, which is all his work and all his activity, when that gift is given freely by grace... We simply look to him and we trust in him. And so what will happen is you'll even feel like, man, I'm, I have to believe. I, I can even sense how people, I got to believe. Well, as soon as you believe, you'll recognize that even that was a gift from God for you. Because we were born sinners. We're born as sinners. We're not born with this little little bit of faith and a little bit of bad and which one is going to win out and all of the whole, the whole struggle is on you. No, 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 no. You're not the main character. God is. And I know, I know that brings up questions. I know there's already, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? Just, understand that it's just what God has done for you. He saved you. He's come to, to, to send his spirit to save you from your sin, death, the power of the devil. He's come to take your sin from you, pay the penalty of that sin even though you're responsible for it. He takes even responsibility for your sin, pays the price for that sin, which is hell itself, he does that so you don't have to. That's huge. That's huge. Now, you might quickly ask something like, well, what about I still struggle with sin? See, we would actually say that original sin is still with us. This is a super important teaching that I, I know I'm getting kind of heavy today, but just follow me. This is a super important teaching in the church that when you've been born again, you are 100% forgiven, redeemed child of God. But at the exact same time, you're still 100% sinner. You're not 50-50. This is like Romans chapter 7 when Paul says, man, I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things I know I need to do. There's this tension and it's not 
You're 100% saved, child of God, forgiven, redeemed, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, before Christ's return, you are 100% sinner. That's actually a different teaching. I'm not going to get into who, which denominations, but there's some different teaching around that, and they're wrong. We can even know this to be true, but just read God's word. Fully saint, fully sinner. That's the Reformation kind of was bringing some of that stuff up. Fully saint, fully sinner, 100%. Not 50-50, 100%, 100%. This is why even though I'm a forgiven, redeemed, boom, 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 child of God, I still go up and receive communion. I'm like, I need it. And even though I'm a forgiven child of God, I still wake up and I'm like, God, I am sorry for my sin. And I receive absolution from maybe Jacqueline or one of my kids. Or I remind myself of what God has done for me. I'm a forgiven child of God, but I still struggle with sin and brokenness in in this world and in my own life. This is why it's all driving towards the coming of the king. Because it's at the coming of the king that sin is done away with forever. And then it's no longer saint sinner, it's just saint. That's going to be a good day. That's when you will be fully human. That's where all this is moving towards. Fully human. When original sin itself is done away with forever. Gone. You won't experience any of that. I I went heavy today. And I kind of know that, but I want you to hear some of these things, guys, because um, otherwise it won't make sense. It doesn't make sense how the creator could not be known. Does that, that's where this all stemmed from, is I was trying to think, how do I tell our people how the creator couldn't be known? How can God walk in here today and we not know him? It's because of sin because of our broken hearts. It's because we're blind without him. And it's only by grace through faith that we can even see, that we can be made alive, that we can be born again. God is even now, I've said this before, I know it, he is forming a new humanity. And it's taking place in the church. And one day it will be completed when he returns. His children, born of his will, you and I getting to be children of God. Nobody can ever take it away from you because it's his will. It's his doing. It's his work. It's his activity. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this particular teaching that the church has been wrestling with for thousands of years, God. As we open up your word and as we hear how apart from you, we can't even see. We wouldn't know you. And God, and something I I wish I'd have maybe talked on and preached on a little bit is just that, that word knowing it's God. It's more than just information. It's more than it's. It's a life that's transformed. But God, it's not a life that's transformed because of all that we have to do. 
It's your seed at work in our hearts, giving us birth. God, I pray boldly that there is somebody today, right now, who is, who is being birthed, who's being reborn. And God, if that person's going through it right now, what I know to be true is that that's not easy. That that's going to be hard. That's going to be a challenge. Uh, your part of the agony and pain has already been accomplished at the cross. Now this person, as they begin to die to themselves and emerge as a new creation into a world, an entire world of newness that you have for them. Protect them in this, Lord. Protect them through this right now. But help them to also know that, that it's free and that you, you, have them, you have them on a projectile to, to new life and a new creation and, a, and actually being fully human. God, if, if that person's in the room or watching online right now or later when they're watching, I just pray that you would bring Christian, another Christian person around them to walk with them through this process. God, I pray for the Christians in the room, those who have been born again, who are fully saint today. We still struggle with sin. What the heck? I thought this was supposed to be done and go away. Thank you that one day it will. Thank you that one day it will, Jesus. God, in the meantime, we continue to rely on your strength. We continue to rely on your grace and your mercy. We continue to come to you and look to you and look to you, and we continue to gather with other believers, and we continue to do this life thing together, strengthening each other, encouraging each other, challenging each other, rebuking at times each other, disciplining each other, doing the things that we need to be doing as part of God's family, to be walking with each other. God, I just pray for your strength to be on your people, your children today. Give them strength, Father. Give us strength to keep running the race that you have marked out for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way. Thank you for being the way. We love you, Lord. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.